Welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for them. Today's episode is the ninth part in our series called Revolutionary, with a conversation being led by lead pastor Yukon Chu. Like I mentioned earlier, this conversation uh, is something we every, do every week, and we particularly like to focus in on the teachings and, and the life of Jesus. Uh, the reason we do that is because we believe Jesus has a unique place among all the different spiritual teachers and spiritual people that have kind of traversed this planet. And even as we, especially as we talk about the issue of transformation and transforming the cities we live in, the country we live in, transforming ourselves. Um, you know, I studied religion quite a bit in grad school, and I, I do think there a case can be made that Jesus talks about this in a way that is so different from everyone else. I think we've been discovering that in the last couple months as we've been on this series called Revolutionary. And so today what we're going to do is jump right back in to this conversation, think through some of really crucial topics here this morning, and just for the next, again, 20, 25 minutes, we'll, we'll do this, and hopefully at the end of this, we'll be able to take something away with us to continue the transformation of our lives and the city uh, we live in. Today, I want to get started, though, with a, a discussion table, a discussion question that we can talk about around our tables. And, it, and it's a question that I think we, we should probably, every so often in this conversation, if not every week, pause and kind of ask ourselves this question. Here, let, let me just kind of, before we put the question on the board, let me just, just share with you really quickly where this question is coming from. Have you ever um, had one of those moments where you realize, you know what, you talk a lot about certain ideals, but you yourself don't live up to those ideals, right? Like, hopefully that, you, you realize that happens every day in your life, you know. Maybe you're a lot better than me, but, you know, I, I think I'm reminded that, that that kind of gap is noticed pretty constantly in my life. And I think as we continue this conversation on what it means to be revolutionary, we need to explicitly address this gap, right? Because we could do a lot of talking here and a lot of theorizing and a lot of idealizing, but if we don't really address the reality that, you know what, there's a gap, a real gap between the way we talk and the way we actually walk it out, we'll be missing something in this conversation. And so why don't you turn to your uh, table partners here, and let's just talk about this real quick for a brief two minutes or so. Let's get honest. Let's just kind of get our brains and our souls going here. Why don't you um, share your experience, your thoughts about if there is a gap between you and the ideals you have, and, and why are those gaps there? Why are those gaps there in your life? Two minutes, turn to your neighbors. Let's talk it out for a brief moment. All right, now that we've had group confession time, um, who, wants to, who wants to share with the larger group here this morning kind of their thought process? Try not to share what your neighbor said. Uh, get their permission, of course, if you want to, but uh, why, why is there, do, do you have gaps in your life and, and why are they there? 
All right, the, the high schoolers, you guys are always ready to go. Thank you. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, high school table, what's going on? Okay, hi. Uh, hi, I'm Fanny. Um, for me, an ideal that I have is that I preach a lot how you're supposed to love yourself and the body that you're in and that you should treat it with respect. Yeah, I don't feel that way about my body. I don't like my body. I don't treat it how it should be treated. And so that's where I fail in my preachings. But, like, I don't know how to, like, do that. Okay. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being honest. Fanny, let's give Fanny a hand for sure. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. The middle school table, is that a hand? Man, you... Hey, you young people are just leading the way here today. All right, what? Maybe because we don't push ourselves hard enough. Okay, maybe we don't push ourselves hard enough. We get maybe lazy sometimes. Yeah? Okay. That's pretty honest. That's pretty honest. Who else? Who else wants to share here this morning? Why do they think there's a gap? Anybody? Any adults? Okay, okay, we have some adults here. Okay, okay. I was like, wow, adults, what's, what's happening with us? Maybe we're all perfect. Yeah, right. Um, I didn't actually get a chance to share this at our table, but I just was thinking about, like, sometimes things aren't um, as high of a priority for ourselves. Like, like, we were talking about lying, and, like, you say that lying's bad, but then you still lie. And so, like, part of it is maybe that it's not a, a high enough of a priority to figure out how to not lie. And I think that could apply to a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah, that's honest, definitely. Prior issues of priority, all right. Any other adults? Okay, over here, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's a persona. Sometimes we want people to see um, how, you know, what kind of Christian we are. You know, it's like having a stain on your shirt and then you're putting a sweater over it and uh, making the, the, you know, everything look good, but in actuality, there's something there. And, but we always wanted to put this persona out there that, you know, we are getting close to perfection, you know, and, but it's far from it. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, definitely. We want to project a certain image, a certain persona. Yeah, that's good. Anybody else? Any other adults here this morning? Over here? Okay. Yeah. Last one. Last one. Hi. Um, our table um, kind of talked about the word uh, kind of gap. Uh, it can also be translated to vacío, which is kind of like an abyss. So um, how from our ideologies to our actions, there's almost like an, an abyss in our heart that like doesn't allow us to actually fulfill the ideologies that we want to. So not, not necessarily an absence of will, but an absence of strength, um, which I guess then is another discussion about how to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Let's give everyone a hand here real quick. That's... Yeah, some great conversation. You know, the last few weeks, we have been talking about a certain ideal presented in the revolutionary teachings of Jesus. Uh, it's been this ideal of what it means to be a united humanity in the midst of our diversity. And uh, as we've been talking about this ideal, uh, we've talked about different ways to approach this ideal. Last week, we actually talked about the importance of prayer and how prayer is not just some you know, wishy-washy spiritual act we do. Prayer actually has power to engage God's actual power in our lives, to overcome uh, the challenges we have. Well, today we're going to continue on that conversation. We're going to continue to think about how we are going to live this ideal out. 
but not just this ideal, but really any ideal that perhaps you are thinking about here this morning. And what we're going to talk about is, is pretty simple, and we're going to put it on the screen here. Here's the deal. With, with all of our desires, with all of what we hope to be, all of what we want to be, both individually but also as a community, the reality is that it takes work, right? It takes work. We all know that. That's nothing new. But perhaps it's been a while since we've reflected on and meditated on this reality. And so today we're going to talk about very, something very simple, very simple and straightforward. There is actually difficult work, but good and intentional work that we can and should engage in if we are going to experience what it means to be a revolutionary community. All right? Very simple, very straightforward. But perhaps it's been a while since you've reflected on the quote-unquote work that needs to happen. We're taking our cues, of course, from this ancient letter that was written some 2,000 years ago. And just in case you're new to, new to the conversation or you've missed out on a couple weeks, let me just remind us of where we are. Jesus came to this planet some 2,000 years ago, and when he left, he left in his wake an amazing revolutionary movement that later developed into something called Christianity, but at its inception, it was something very powerful and transformative in the cities and places it affected. We've been looking at specifically the historic record of what happened in the city of Ephesus some 2,000 years ago when the Jesus movement came in. And if you remember, this was a very major city, the second most important city in the Roman Empire. And what we have historically documented is that the Jesus movement came into the city and literally turned the city upside down. We read in our very first conversation here some of the excerpts from that historical record, we, and we discovered that the economy got revolutionized, the people like, started forming like mob protests about the changes that were happening. Jesus and his message entered into the city and changed the whole landscape. Now, some four or five years later, a letter was written to the city, to the followers of Jesus in the city, to remind them and encourage them of the revolution they had experienced. And so the last few weeks, we've been looking at this letter and at what this author by the name of Paul had to say to the citizens of this city. Like I mentioned, for about two weeks, we've been talking about how Paul has been reminding them that, you know what, Jesus came, and one of the things he did to revolutionize you all is he called forward a new humanity that you and I were supposed to become. This humanity where the hostilities between us would be removed, the ethnic, racial, socioeconomic differences would be addressed, and we would become a new humanity together through Jesus. He's wrapping up his thought in our excerpt here today. In fact, he's going to kind of bring it to a, a pretty nice close, I think. And then he's going to continue on the next couple of weeks and continue to get in the nitty-gritty of what deliberate, intentional actions need to be taken if we are to be this community together. Let's take a look at our excerpt. It's on the table. Uh, I'll read through it just kind of all together, and then I'll make a couple points, and we'll continue with some discussion as to what exactly 
this letter is about, this excerpt is about. And so again, we are in the fourth chapter for the, first, the last two chapters. He's been talking about a number of things that I just mentioned. But he kind of begins to take a pause here and get nitty-gritty with us. And he says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, again, he was in prison, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does it what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Christ." From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now, again, this is a document written some 2,000 years ago. So if you're new to this and you're like, this sounds great, but what is it talking about? Don't worry. We're going to spend a moment now just kind of going through it, making sure we understand how this ancient document really is actually still relevant to us today. You'll notice that our author starts in the first paragraph by mentioning very cl clearly some very practical, basic, relational, intentional acts we need to engage in, specifically for the purpose of unity, right? Very clearly, as he kind of has finished this big talk about you know, this new humanity that we looked at the last few weeks, he gets it into the nitty-gritty details, and if you look at number two, or verse number two, he says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity that he's been talking about for the last couple chapters. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need this kind of straight talk from somebody. You know, especially when I get ideal and talk about big picture, I just need somebody to be like, hey, Yukon, that's great, but have you been humble recently? Why are you so impatient if you have this ideal of love? Are you keeping the unity that God has given you with other people? I love how this paragraph just, you know, just gets into some very real details of that process. I like especially if you notice uh, verse 3, he talks about keeping the unity that God has given us. Not trying to be united. No, no, no. The, the idea is that unity is already there. And you need to keep it. 
We need to keep it. Now, let me mention something that I forgot to, to say as we got into this reading. The reality, of course, is that for many of us, as we think about these nitty-gritty things, many of us, I think, approach this and sometimes think this is sort of optional, right? How many of you, when you read something like this or you hear somebody say, you should be humble, be patient, all these things, in your mind, you're like, that's a good idea, but, and you kind of give yourself a, an easy out. You kind of make it optional. Let's be honest. How many of you kind of read these things and think, yeah, this is kind of optional for me? If they really knew my situation, they would know this. <laughs> that's just optional for me. Now, why do we, why do we think this is optional? Especially when we want to talk at a community level that, hey, this as a community, as citizens of this city, as citizens of this community of ethnos, we need to do this together. Why do we think it's optional? Well, I think it's because many of us, not all of us, but many of us come from an individualistic perspective in life, meaning we are our own person and we get to decide what we want to decide. And added to that individual kind of perspective, we live also in a very consumer-driven, self-satisfaction-driven sort of society. And so whenever we talk about spirituality or virtues or all these kind of things, we very easily think, oh, this is just optional for me. Look, I, I, may, I may have a residence in this zip code, but, you know, I'm my own person. I'll decide what I want to do. I'm individualistic. If it works for me, I'll do it. If it doesn't, I won't do it. We take that into how we are citizens. We take that into how we are members of this spiritual community. The Jesus perspective is very different. Jesus starts from a communal perspective. A part of this is because of his Middle Eastern upbringing and background. Some of us already start on that kind of plane. We're, we're communal people by nature. But more than that, Jesus... He comes from a perspective that the context we need to remember to live in is the context of other-centered love, right? And just kind of imagine, real quick, let's just imagine you were less individualistic than you really are. Actually, let's just pretend you were not individualistic but communal. And let's pretend that you are not kind of consumer-driven but others-driven. Let's just pretend, Okay. Because it's hard, actually, to pretend this, I think. <laughs> Let's pretend you just, you, you've had that and you read through this, or you, you kind of listened to this being read. Would it seem optional to you? Probably not. Not that you'd be guilted into doing what this is saying, but you'd be like, yeah, that's right, I need to do that. Oh, yeah, that's right, I, I need to be more like that. There's something about the context that we come from that makes it really hard for us, actually, to get spiritual with Jesus. Something to think about as we continue. Now, not only does our author here talk about these deliberate, intentional, good acts that we need to engage in related to unity, there are also key discussions related to service as well. Did you notice in the second paragraph and third paragraph, take a look, you notice that phrase works of service is repeated at least twice. If you're taking notes, if you like circling things and underlining things when you read, you might want to do that. Just kind of find those two areas uh, where, where it's mentioned. 
But what happens is our author here, Paul, gets into this fascinating discussion of not just the unity we're supposed to have, but then he talks about how actually there's actually quite a bit of diversity in the unity, right? That makes sense. We all kind of assume that already. But that diversity in our unity, what that requires is that we actually engage in that diversity and engage with serving each other in the midst of that diversity. Notice especially if you look at verse 11. Now, side note, verse 7, 8, and 9 may seem a little bit odd to you. He gets in, honestly, on a little bit of a sidetrack to talk about something. Uh, you can look at your extra study note section here today if you want to get into the details of that sidetrack. It's a good one, but uh, you know, just be aware of that. But starting in verse 11, he begins to engage in this idea of diversity and how who we are and what we do, the diverse things we do, actually contribute to something very important. Now, what I want you to do is turn to your neighbor, actually, really quickly, and looking at the second half of that paragraph, and also the third paragraph, I want you to take a moment, just with your neighbor here, and try to figure out what he's actually trying to say. There's a certain flow, if, you, if you've noticed, a flow of thought that he engages in, there are certain events he talks about that lead to or result in other events. And so take a brief two minutes with your neighbor and just kind of see if you can actually capture what he's trying to say, and we'll discuss it together here, all right? Two minutes with your neighbors. I think in many ways what's being described here is, is something maybe we've all seen before. If you look at verse uh, 11 and 12 and 13, you'll realize that he's talking about a kind of certain flow that we've seen before. He's saying that God somehow has given uh, certain people certain unique abilities or certain sort of, a certain sort of role to play. They somehow use their role or unique abilities to equip or empower others. And then as we all do this kind of work together, we become mature and we grow into the beautiful person and ideal of, of Jesus, okay? So that's kind of the flow that I think is outlined pretty clearly. And I think sometimes, you know, I, I think if we were to just pause and think about this, many of us would be like, yeah, that makes sense because, oh, I see that at my workplace or I see that in my family, like, Everyone has a role to play, and if not everyone is playing their role, something's deficient. Something's not working properly. The, the unit, the community, doesn't function. And some of you know this really well, right? Because at work, you have that person, you're like, why don't you do your work? Or in the family, like, why aren't you doing your role in the family, right? You know, we all, we all can kind of picture that. Um, and so in many ways, this is kind of natural. But, but here's the deal. This is, I, I think this transcends the natural in the sense that this person, Paul, is now saying, inspired by Jesus, led by Jesus' original teachings, that actually, this isn't just about the natural, it's about the divine. Because it starts off, with the, if, this, if you look at the second paragraph, again, this is emphasized quite a bit in the first sentence, but to each one of us, grace has been given. Meaning, there, God himself has given us something. And, and kind of apportioned it or, or kind of given us different measures. And it's really this, this thing that God is behind, that God is trying to transform the world with, that he's actually given to us to now figure out and 
embrace and use to serve others, empower others, and, and get going with what, with what He wants. This, this is not just mere like, you know, oh yeah, we, we're, we have this role. No, no, God actually has given us something. And not only that, the end result isn't just like a better functioning community or society. Notice the words being used. Again, if you're into circling and underlining things, this idea of maturity, that word, did you notice how that was used at least twice in these paragraphs? Now just think about that, right? Especially those us, us kids here and, and actually all of us adults. We all know, right, because we all have parents that said, oh, you should do this. We all know that doing something doesn't make us mature, right? Right? Teenage, my kids, we all understand, my kids, yeah. Right? Like, like, and we experience that too, right? We probably all grew up with parents telling us to do something. Their intention was that if you do that, it will make you a better person, maybe. But we all know that there's something about being, being mature that transcends just doing something, right? It's interesting how the vision here is not just of a a functioning, quote-unquote, body or community. It's of a mature body, a mature community. So what, what is he actually saying here? What do we need to take away? I, I think this is, this is the main takeaway, and there, there are probably many other ones we, we could reflect on. Here's the deal. If we are going to be a revolutionary community, we do have to engage in some difficult but good intentional actions. There's some basic things we have to engage in in terms of maintaining unity, things like being patient, being humble. That doesn't mean we don't talk about things. That doesn't mean we don't work through the tough issues we got to work through. But what's, what's the heart behind that? What, what's our disposition behind that? Second of all, we need to engage in some type of service. We need to figure out who God has made us to be, the kind of talents and grace that God has given us. And we need to understand those things and begin to use those things to serve each other. Because somehow our own maturity, our own becoming a better, a more revolutionary person is tied into that serving. Pretty basic stuff. Many of us, I'm, I'm sure, have heard this before, this kind of thinking before. But again, there's that gap, isn't there? There's that gap between knowing this and doing this. And I love what this table has said here with Valeria, that in Spanish, it's not just a gap, it's like an abyss. There, there's something that's, that's somehow preventing us or something we're missing in order to achieve this gap. What might that be? What, what, what might we fill the gap with? Well, we've discussed it the last few weeks quite a bit. Let's just remind us ourselves of that gap. You'll notice again that this is a deeply spiritual text. It's a very spiritual passage, and it's centered around the power and the ability that ultimately comes through Jesus. It's here in this text. It's in the, the previous paragraphs we read. And the thinking, again, behind this all is that what prevents us from achieving the ideal is not just more education. It's not just work harder, a better work ethic. There's something deeply distorted, deeply damaged with all of us that prevents us from getting there. 
It's what the Bible labels, calls sin. It's this deep, mysterious, yet real evil or disadvantage or weakness that somehow lives in all of us. And we talked about the last few weeks how Jesus, when he came and he gave his teaching and he lived his life, his most important work was actually to take that evil, to take that disadvantage, to take that powerlessness and break the power that that had over us so that we could actually begin to engage in this ideal that we hope for and long for. And so we keep coming back to the same thing. We do. At least the teachings and scriptures of Jesus, they do. And we keep coming back to it because, well, not only is it what it's presenting, but we keep coming back to it here because I think all of us realize the limitations of our, of our ideals and of, of our attempted solutions, don't we? That's why we're here. We've been trying this thing. We've been trying to figure out what it means to be a revolutionary. We've been trying to see change happen in us and, and beyond us. We've been trying, but we just can't seem to experience it. God help us. God help us to figure out where the answer lies. God help us experience what this great city of Ephesus experienced when Jesus came in to their lives. Can you take a moment with me? And uh, our time is wrapping up. We need to, to close shop here. But can you take a moment with me and engage in some reflective prayer? You may want to uh, close your eyes or bow your head. Uh, you may want to keep them open. That's fine. However you want to engage. One of the things we believe here at Ethnos is that God is alive. If God exists, then we believe God will engage with us if he exists. And so perhaps as we've been processing here today and, and thinking through uh, the topic of being a revolutionary and that gap that exists there, perhaps something has kind of pricked your conscience or something's kind of been lodged into your mind or your heart and you're like, man, that was an interesting thought or why am I thinking about that right now? But that, that's kind of making me feel a little bit convicted, yeah, or making me perhaps feel encouraged, whatever it may be. I want you to invite you to get in touch with what you are feeling and sensing now. Because I believe that is God actually trying to communicate with us. And whatever he may be bringing up, whether it be a deliberate action with unity or with service, or maybe it's something else, I want to just give you this brief moment to say your prayer to God. And basically commit yourself to whatever God is bringing up. And saying, you know what, wow, would you please help me with that? And would you show me how Jesus might relate to that in a very personal way? Just pray that, invite God into that, express that to God.
You know, we, God, are here because we believe that there is a better way to experience what we call life. There is more than what we have now. We believe in certain ideals that they are good ideals. And somewhere, many of us within us believe they can happen. These ideals can actually happen. But there's this gap. Would you help us not only engage in the actions, the intentional, deliberate actions we need to engage in, but would you help us to come to you with with the dilemmas of this gap, with the abyss that we feel, with this powerlessness that we have? Would you show us how you are the answer to that powerlessness? Would you show us very personally how you you fill that gap for us. We thank you for this time to reflect and engage. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.